You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. I'm speaking with Jeremy Lassen. He's the publisher of Nightshade Books, and we're talking about zombies. Thank you for joining me, Jeremy. Always good to talk about zombies, one of my favorite subjects. Yeah, you know, they've seemed to have uh, seen a resurgence of late. We've seen uh, a couple of uh, new Dawn of the Dead movies and some new anthologies. Um, Tell us about you. I know that Nightshade has an anthology coming out. Tell us uh, how that came about. Well, the book is called The Living Dead, and it's a... um big giant book of zombie stories, about six, seven hundred pages. And it it started because of this resurgence in uh in zombies, um in particular in, in, in written form, uh, about two or three years ago now, um World War Z came out and that um had this big mainstream crossover appeal. It was set, it was packaged as a mainstream book and it was selling to a mainstream audience and this is right around the same time that Movies like Shaun of the Dead came out, and you know there was this kind of like cultural frisson where whereby like everybody seemed to get and know the kind of George Romero zombie you know aesthetic or you know shtick the same way that they knew vampires, and you know I thought that was kind of interesting, and I was at um, I was at Wiscon actually, um, and I was talking with Ted Chang, and he asked me, Jeremy, what's the, what's the Bible of you know of zombie fiction? What's the original, you know, zombie novel. And I was like, well, there wasn't really a zombie novel, but the first time that, like, you know, writers kind of sat down to write zombies in the tradition of George Romero zombies um, was pretty much, you know, in the mid-'80s, in the early-'80s, with the Skip and Spectre anthologies, Book of the Dead and um, um, Still Dead, Book of the Dead 2. So... I was talking to Ted about that, and I came home from the convention, and I was talking to my business partner, Jason, and I was like, zombies, they're big. We should, we should, those, those Skip Inspector books, we should reprint those. But I knew that there were, they had already been an attempt about, gosh, 10 years ago now to um, try and reprint those, but um, Skip Inspector hadn't secured reprint rights, and, and the project fell by the wayside, and, and Jason and I, were, my business partner, Jason, were talking, and and we were like, well, we'd have to recontract every story individually. And Jason was like, well, well, why don't we just do our own reprint anthology and, you know, take the good ones from there and get a bunch of good ones from other places and just do a reprint anthology. And I thought that was a brilliant idea. And right around the same time, um, John Joseph Adams had just turned in um, the Wastelands anthology, which was the anthology of uh, post-apocalyptic stories. And so I called John up, and I was like, John, what do you know about zombies? And he was like, um you know, no more than your average Joe. And I was like, that's good enough for me because I have every zombie anthology that's ever been published. I'll ship them all to you, and you can edit this book. And he jumped in full, you know, hip deep and turned in an incredible selection of of zombie stories. Um, And the book just shipped this week, and it's doing really good. Now, is this a hardcover or a trade paperback or both? It's a trade paperback. Um... Is it illustrated? No, no. It's got a beautiful painting by David Palumbo, um, but that's just a cover painting. It's um, just 
just zombie fiction. Now, tell us a little bit about some of the selections in this. It's a, is it all reprint, or are there any original stories? There's one original story, um, but the majority of it is reprint. And who, who do we have in there? Do we have the entire uh, Still Dead anthology and uh, not quite, Book of the Dead? Not quite. Um, and, in fact, there were a couple of um, often reprinted stories from there that instead of going with those really obvious ones, we, we went with um, um, some lesser ones. Like, for example, in Still, in Still Dead, I believe it was, Joe Lansdale's um, classic zombie story, um, um, in the Cadillac Desert, on the far side of the Cadillac Desert, with dead is, folks. <laughs> yeah, with dead folks is is kind of like one of his one of the quintessential Joe Lansdale zombie stories. But that one's been reprinted a bunch of times. So John went with a, a lesser known Joe Lansdale piece, uh, Dead Man's Road. Um, and so we've got a, a pretty wide selection. But um, I mean, just to give you an example of um, <laughs> the names off the cover, John really delivered. Um, we've got like. Neil Gaiman, Joe Hill, Clive Barker, Stephen King, Earl K. Hamilton, George Martin, Kelly Link. I mean, he really delivered some great names. Um, and we got some people you wouldn't necessarily think of when it comes to zombie stories. We've got Sherman Alexie and um, Susan Pollock, uh, Jeffrey Ford. So it's not just the usual horror names that you might think of, but it's got all of those. We've got the David Chows and the the Norman Partridges and, you know, the Doug Winter. We've got Less Than Zombie, um, you know, Poppy Bright. So it's got, like, who you would expect, but then it's got a bunch of others. So John really, you know, went far and wide and turned into an incredible anthology. And um, let's see. I believe it was How the Day Runs Down by John Langan. Um, was either that one was the original or almost the last story by Almost the Last Man, by Scott Edelman. I'm totally forgetting. It was one of those two stories was, was original to this to this anthology. And there's a new anthology or, or collection of John Langan's story, I think, from uh, Prime. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, the, something Mr. Gaunt. Uh, now, I'm actually holding in my hand the original Mark V. Zeising hardcover of uh, Book of the Dead. And one of the things I, I like about zombies and I think horror fiction, I think this is, brings up a, a larger discussion of horror fiction. I'm going to read uh, Clive Barker's comment on zombies uh, from the Book of the Dead, the introduction. He says, Zombies are the liberal nightmare. Here you have the masses whom you would love to love appearing at your front door with their faces falling off. And you're trying to be as humane as you possibly can, but there they are, after all, eating the cat. And the fear of mass activity, of mindlessness on a national scale underlies my fear of zombies. Now, I, I think this is a really interesting comment on, on some of the political nature of, of zombies because we have seen as a nation uh, kind of been acting in a mindless uh, fashion. And I think the resurgence in, of interest in the horror fiction also I think is uh, somewhat of a result, at least to my mind, of our current economic crisis. Well, that's definitely... Definitely the case. There's always been a political tie between the horror, horror um, and, and politics. There's an old saw that says that horror fiction is always popular when uh, Republicans have office, um, and that sort of has proven to be true continuously. And I guess you could make the, the, you know, the corollary that you know, the economy always ends up in the tank when Republicans are in office. But, you know, and so thereby make the economy and the, the horror <laughs> connection 
but I mean that's interesting about the 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 fear of you know the you know casting as a liberal nightmare because that is sort of you know the case you know the fear of the masses who have you know vote against their own self interest i mean it's a it's a common you know republican political thing to get a a, a divisive issue be it abortion or gay rights or or you know civil rights or whatever it might be and get the working class, the middle class, to vote against their own self-interest on the basis of that one issue. So you get, you know, people who are members of labor unions voting on the Republican ticket because they're afraid the government's going to take away their guns. That kind of fear-based politics and that kind of, like, single-issue voting against your own self-interest, um, I think is, you know, part of what's at the core of what, um, you know, Clive Barker's quote was getting at there. Um, zombie fiction does represent that. Um, there's also another, I mean, I think all great horror archetypes can also be reflective of a, of a, um, society's sexual anxiety. I mean, if you look at, um, vampires, you know, traditional Victorian vampires, if you look at werewolves, I mean, all the great horror archetypes, you know, can be mapped into certain sexual anxieties or capture a, a specific, you know, kind of anxiety of the day. And I've actually been having an ongoing running conversation for two years now with like people like Ben Rosenbaum and, and Liz Grinsky over at Tor about whether zombies are a manifestation of, you know, contemporary, you know, sexual anxieties and mores. Um, and I, I think they do because they're, they're a further, you know, reflection of it, kind of like the werewolf is giving in to, you know, your bestial instincts, your animal instincts. Um, and, you know, zombies are a complete, you know, capitulation to, you know, mindlessness you know, and just for, you know, one stimuli. Um, and at the same time, I think they're also a reflection of kind of the, you know, the Romero zombies kind of sprang up out of the, the late 60s, and they're, they're kind of like a, a popular reflection of the, the love-hate relationship with the sexual revolution of the 60s. You know, there's a, there's a genuine fear of that ravenous, you know, sexual appetite. And also the, the results of... Too much sex is is does that kind of decrepit disease, and so well, the... yeah. I mean, even going back to vampires and werewolves, there's always been a component of, you know, venereal disease and sexually transmitted diseases. It's always mm-hmm. been a subtext, a part of that fear. Um, but you know, zombies really bring it to pandemic levels. Yeah, you and, know, and also it, out in the open. I mean, it, it can't hide it. It's right out there in the open. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're actually riding right in front of our eyes. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you need to control yourself. Yeah, and so, you know, I mean, I think maybe, you know, people, there's all the bad cliches about vampires and AIDS, but, you know, I think maybe it took the AIDS crisis to bring zombies to the kind of popular, you know, mega-conscious level that they are now. I mean, somewhere in the last 20 years, that cool little thing, all those, you know, Italian horror zombie movies that I had to get on bootleg and, you know, became mainstream. I mean, if you think about a movie like Shaun of the Dead... Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard. It's a romantic comedy, but with zombies. But in order to get, in order to appreciate that movie, you have to understand zombies the same way that, I, I don't know, say society has to understand vampires in order to enjoy Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You have to be familiar right. with the tropes and, you know, conversant with the, you know, the imagery and the, the you know, the cliches. And Shaun of the Dead was a big hit. Like, everybody knows George Romero-esque zombies. And that is, you know, something relatively new. 
Um, and also, well, in reverse too, movies like Shaun of the Dead can can lead people back to the source material. If if you're t- entirely unfamiliar with the tropes and you just watch Shaun of the Dead cold, you, you're going to get a, a pretty good education in what all those tropes are. So when you go back and watch the original Night of the Living Dead or some of the more recent uh, movies or the Italian movies to which you're referring, I mean, you'll have a a better clue as to what's going on. Well, and and even it's the case now where, you know, secondary and tertiary, I mean, you don't even need to know what the movies are because somebody you do know, you know, is into zombies or is talked about, you know, brains, brains. And, yeah, it, it does lead backward, but it also is one of those things where you don't even need to be familiar with the original source material or even any of the, you know, kind of movies or literature because it is so embedded in our culture. You don't have to have ever read a vampire novel or seen a vampire movie to get vampires. They're sort of like this thing that's out there in our culture. And zombies are getting that way. There was also there was also a um a kind of um proposition that zombies represent kind of a, a secular rapture kind of the end of a millennial kind of apocalypse, you know, anxiety. And so I think there's, there's a lot of different things that are coming together here. Because certainly zombies are, a, you know, a secular rapture, as it were. Well, and also they represent the lowest common denominator come to a shambling life. And furthermore, an excellent opportunity to extend the right to life to the right to life after death. After all, <laughs> zombies need to be saved too, don't they? Yeah, yeah. No, and there's there's been a bunch of... I mean, I, that's why I think zombie stories and novels can be so rich, is because they are such a blank canvas for intentionality. I mean, you can take that archetype and make a, a political allegory or a sexual allegory, or it doesn't need to be an allegory, but it can resonate on all these different levels. Um you know, and then at at their core, you know, they're apocalypse stories. And, you know, apocalypse stories are very, you know, that kind of like, it's kind of a libertarian wet dream. It's like, well, I'm, the society holds me down, but if I just wipe the slate clean, I'll be able to rise to my full potential. You know, I mean, everybody may be <laughs> dead, but, you know, I'm able to get over and rise to my full potential without these, you know, chains of society holding me back. And, you know, that's just yet another way that the, you know, zombie kind of archetype resonates. And so it's, a, it's very rich, and it, I don't think you run into a problem where, oh, boy, all zombie stories are the same, because, you know, they certainly aren't. They can, you know, authors can bring a lot of different things to them. Very um, chameleonic uh, form. And also, I, one of the things I think uh, about zombies that, that's interesting is that... Um, at core, it's a really simple concept to get. So your expectations are automatic, and also culturally, our expectations. When you hear the word zombie, you think, okay, it's going to be really dumb. So, I mean, if you get anything beyond really dumb, you go, wow, well, that might be pretty good. So I think that was part of the appeal of Shaun of the Dead when you see it. Yeah, and certainly that's part of like the appe- certainly that's part of the appeal of something like um, World War Z, which was very, very competently written had a very aggressive framing device, a narrative device, narrative conceit, um, and was packaged up and presented in a very kind of smart, slick literary package. You know, it wasn't gory, it wasn't, it didn't look like a, you know, Italian horror movie poster. It looked like Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell, frankly. Mm -hmm. You know, it had that kind of like, no, look, this can be smart and you don't have to be embarrassed, you know, being seen reading this on the subway. And, 
yeah, I, th- I think when you subvert people's expectations like that, um, it certainly is able to draw a lot more people into it. So you've got a, a 700-page anthology. That's pretty. That's pretty rocking. Now, do you have any? Uh, can you give us a? Do you have it to hand? Uh, I'm curious just to to hear some of the titles. Do we have any of the? the I mean, was, yeah. was there ever a novel of Night of the Living Dead? Actually, there was. And in fact, I think I have the paperback version. Yeah, there was. There was a novel of that. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I have a paperback version on my shelf somewhere with a with a, actually the cigarette advertisement still lodged in the center of it. Yeah, no, I remember those. I had, I had a copy of that for a while myself, <laughs> uh, which tells you what kind of a zombie dork I am. Um, no, there's, um, well, I've got this year's class picture with Dan Simmons. Um, mm. Oh, yes, yeah. Is And then, you know, and that's kind of from the classic, you know, living dead period. Well, the 80s. Know, or, or still dead. Mm-hmm. Um, I have Kelly Link, some zombie contingency plans, which is uh, a little bit new. Um, oh, another story in there. Um, Death and Suffrage by Dale Bailey. I don't know if you're familiar with this story, but um, it was, oh, gosh, almost four years ago now. Um, huh. um, there was a there's a Showtime um, horror series called Masters of Terror, Masters of Horror. Masters of Horror, yes, yeah. Yeah, um, this Dale Bailey story was made into a um, into one of the one of the feature films on that um, on that show, um, and it's about um, Basically, Republicans um, stuffing the ballot box um, and stealing an election, and dead soldiers coming back to life to vote. Oh, that was the Joe Dante uh, yeah, episode, that was right? The Joe Dante one, right, right. And um, and that was based by, based on this Dale Bailey story. Oh, interesting. Well, you know, the other story you mentioned that I, was just one of my favorites, and I and, and I believe they actually collected the, the. He wrote three of them. Was the Doug Winter story, Less Than Zombie? Mm-hmm. Uh, Zombie, yeah, yeah. Those stories were so brilliantly written. I, to my mind, they really rose straight to, to literary quality because, as satire, they were so perfectly pitched to well, imitate their. Well, he was. The triptych was was really cool because he was. Each story was parodying a different. So less than zombie was parodying the style of Bret Easton Ellis's Less Than Zero, and then there was um, Bright Lights, Big Zombie. Right, right. Which was parodying Bright Lights Big City. Um, and Doug just had the perfect ear for nailing the style and the tone of those novels mm-hmm. and just capturing them um, and, then, and, and telling a great zombie story on top of it. And then the, the last one um, was The Zombies of Madison County. And, um, yeah, Doug Winter's stories are just so memorable because of that. I mean, they did, you know, just capture those those kind of, like, you know, they were satirizing the original material, but ah, just so good. Now I have to ask: uh, in your uh, in your uh, collection, did you get the Stephen R. Boyett story, like Pavlov's dogs? Stephen R. Boyett story? No. Now Boyett was an interesting guy. He was he was in a couple. He's uh, done a few. I, I think he's penned a few uh, Stephen King adaptations, and he wrote a story in Silver Scream that I remember to this day. That was very very terrifying about a, a movie that every time it showed one of the people who saw it died. And he's a really interesting writer to to for people to to look into. Okay. And, and you did and I and you did get the David J. Scow story though. Oh, there's been a that was a tough one. I had to pick and choose <laughs> yeah. Scow. I mean, he was one of the heavy contributors. Um, he did actually two stories per Skip Inspector volume. He had uh, a pen name he was writing under. 
Uh, and then he penned a bunch of other zombie stories mm-hmm. outside of those. Um, and so, yeah, he actually had a collection of his zombie stories put out by um, Subterranean or Cemetery Dance. I think it was Subterranean. And, um, but Blossom um, was the one that we chose for, uh, for The Living Dead. Okay. Um, you know, Jerry's Kid Meet, Kids Meets Worm Boy is, you know, kind of one of those classic over-the-top Grand Gugnall ones. You know, it's kind of a siege story of this, you know, rotundly, you know, gross person who's turned the tables and is eating well because he's eating zombies. Um, but um, Blossom is kind of a, a quieter, as it were, David Scow story. <laughs> <laughs> when you use quiet in the same word, sentence with David Scow, you're, we, we understand you're talking on a different scale of quiet than most yeah, people Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've been speaking with Jeremy last, and we've been talking about zombies, and his new zombie anthology is, Jeremy? The Living Dead, edited by um, editor extraordinaire John Joseph Adams. That's out from uh, Nightshade Books Now. Thank you for joining me, Jeremy. My pleasure. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Mm-hmm.